all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars. But we won't. We're slowly learning that fact. And we're very, very pissed off. Hey, you know, at this point, I didn't even think this would happen again. But we're doing it. We're doing another episode of the podcast for for, for whatever it is. Uh, okay, so it is... What is the date? It is uh, May 15th, 2021. And uh, I got my second dose of the vaccine on uh, May 4th. I was a Pfizer dude. And uh, <laughs> Pfizer dude, hey... Hey, bro, where'd you get your vaccine? Hey, buddy, I'm a Pfizer dude. Yeah, that's right, because Pfizer dudes are cool. All right. Uh, I'm just saying, you know, if we get to a point where you can actually choose what vaccine that you get, as opposed to just being like, you, what, what do you got? I don't care. Just give it. Just give it to me. Just like I'll run up to you and you just throw it at me and uh, shoot me with a dart. I don't care. I just want it. Give me anything. Uh, once we get to a point where you could choose which vaccine we got, um, I will say uh, yes. That will be the marketing campaign. The Pfizer dude will be coming to you. So if you've been out to the grassland, you'll know just what my city eyes have seen. I love here I am like screaming like a morning zoo maniac and the music is just the lovely music of Joshua Lee Turner. Joshua Lee Turner, I would best describe it as what if Simon from or Simon, uh, Paul Simon from Simon and Garfunkel, Paul Simon and uh, James Taylor had a baby. And I guarantee you that is going to be the most tender lovemaking ever to to conceive such a child um i'm not sure which one's gonna carry the baby <laughs> i i think um i i think that i honestly i'm i'm gonna i i have a i i feel like paul simon has a uh, childbearing hips and it's it's gonna be on him to uh bring that that life into the world okay so uh, why am I doing this podcast now? Um, certainly the pandemic is not over. We're, you know, still people are still wearing masks. Um, I'm not, I got my shot on Star Wars Day, May the 4th. I am not two weeks out yet. I'm only 11 days, so close. And, uh, you know, um, it's, it's, uh, oh, so it's not like things are back to normal. But uh, Miriam is traveling this weekend, and uh, the girl is having a sleepover at her friend's house. So I thought, well, while the mice, no, the cats are away, and I'm a mouse or something, so I'll play podcasting time. So here I am. My head is splitting, my heart is gasping, and now I'm asking. It's, we've been doing pandemic for more than a year. And before we get into pandemics, I, I love talking about bad movies. Um, you know, especially if you are with somebody who can appreciate a bad movie, that makes it all the better. So I have two terrible movie things to talk about uh, just because I want to maintain some degree of 
normal uh, in this podcast. Uh, so, okay, so one of them is uh, this Hugh Grant uh, movie called The Undoing. And it's, uh, oh, Nicole Kidman is the other lead. Uh, and it, oh, and, um, oh, uh, uh, whatever. Some other people are in it. It's fine. But it's so bad. Um, the Undoing is is really aptly named for how the writing goes down in quality. It is it is its own undoing. It's quite meta. Uh, but I it's uh, I'm not even going to bore you with the plot. It's a six episode miniseries on uh, HBO. It's based on a book, but. My, our favorite thing, we watched this thing easily six months ago, and and we still do our, our favorite thing from this. We watched all six episodes, because once you're halfway through it and you're like, oh, this sucks. This is a train wreck. Now you're halfway through it. You got to because it's a mystery. got to see how it ends. So we did. We stuck through it. But our favorite thing to do with this is um, Nicole Kidman will walk into so Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant in this thing are married and they have a kid and Nicole Kidman is is well the whole family is going through some stress uh, and Nicole Kidman will be up late at night it'll be pitch black and she'll either walk into a room or she'll be in a room and then her kid will enter it and then she will somehow just discover the kid is there and say, Oh, you scared me. Oh. And, and it happens at least once an episode, more like a couple of times an episode. And I posted that uh, online and uh, somebody responded with, Oh boy, they're going to give that kid a complex. And then I told Miriam and she was like, Uh... Hugh Grant is accused of murder in this, so I think lots of things are going to give that kid a complex. In the hedges we heard a sound The black-eyed dog to haunt you Alright, well that's enough of The Undoing. Don't watch The Undoing, it's terrible. Um, the other thing that I just watched, uh, <laughs> which was not my choice, so the girl comes home and she's sweet on this boy, and the boy is a straight-up weirdo. Uh, it's it is like watching The Big Bang Theory, where uh, Blossom's character, whatever the hell her name is, uh, she's in love with um, the the super weird Sheldon. She's with in love with Sheldon, and she makes these grand overtures to Sheldon, and he's like, meh, 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 meh. that's what exactly what this kid is like. He is on the spectrum, um, but uh, he loves trains, and I don't know if this movie came up, or he said he liked it, or what, but the girl comes home, and she's like, we have to watch Unstoppable. Now, for those of you who don't know, Unstoppable is about... Uh, a train based on a true story based on a train that has nobody on it and is loose on the rails of Pennsylvania going from southern to northern Pennsylvania and it's unstoppable because nobody can stop it um, 
but you know, in uh, who knows? Like the reality is, who knows, right? Um, but of course, it's a Hollywood movie, so they have to like drum up the suspense and the action and everything. And meanwhile, it's like, meanwhile, the reality is probably, yeah, this train had nobody on it. Yeah, that was a bad idea. So. In reality, what they did is exactly what they did in the movie. They took another train, they ran it backwards, and then they hooked it up and then just slowed it down until somebody could get on it and stop it. But there is a there is a great Saturday Night Live sketch about this. Uh, it's one of their filmed pieces. Just look it up. It's on YouTube. You can find it. It really does sum up this movie and about just how they try to infuse drama into this movie and it's it's real bad it's a real bad movie and i my my favorite things about this movie are they try things once one time they don't ever say why they can't do that one thing again i mean the reality is of course as a movie maker you don't want to keep doing the same thing over and over and over again i mean you want to like make well we'll try this thing and we'll try that thing you know because otherwise the viewers are going to get bored but in reality it's like you should provide like a little bit of reason it's like well, we got a helicopter in there and we tried to lower a man down on the train, but it's too windy. Hey, there's an idea. Give a little reasoning, even if it's made up, even if it doesn't even make a whole lot of sense. Give something. Chinatown. She's marching in the parade. So do that. Provide something, even as flimsy as that. Um, but the other thing that, that they do in this movie that is so bonkers is most of the movie is Denzel Washington and Chris Pine, two big movie stars, are in this movie. And yet, I mean, why? Why are they in this movie? When I still had that keychain And maybe, you know, I, I who knows? Who knows why they're in this movie? I just heard an interview with Emily Blunt. By the way, Emily Blunt married to John Krasinski. And um, she recommended, you know, because they're always trying to do those cute couple names like Benifer and Brangelina, where they do a, a lazy portmanteau of the couple's names. Uh, because, you know, you take the K from Krasinski and the Unt. From or the the craw from Krasinski and the uh from Unt from Blunt and she said we should be the cunts we should that would be great if if they could just be like the cunts were seen walking their dog today and I thought that was delightful but she said uh, she had a really great story on the Howard Stern uh, show where she talked about how. She was under contract with I, with some studio, and she had to do two movies with them. Oh, no, that's not true. She did Devil Wears Prada, and after the success of Devil Wears Prada, they said, we are going to sign you to another movie, so you have to do another movie with us. She was like, okay. And she wanted to do... Uh, I think a Marvel movie. I think she wanted... Oh, that's right, because she was cast as Black Widow before Scarlett Johansson 
I gotta be honest, I think Scarlett Johansson was the better choice, but okay. Uh, nothing to take away from Emily Blunt. I think she's great. I love me a good cunt. Oh, no, wait, that's the two of them together. A Quiet Place. Boom. Anyway, she said uh, that they made her do Gulliver's Travels, which is, if you look it up on Rotten Tomatoes, I've never seen the movie, but it's got like a 20% rating from both audience and critics. So not a good movie. Uh, and, uh, well, we think, um, Jack Black, you know, you would think it would be good, but, mm. and, and she said, yeah, they forced me into it because they had me under contract. And, um, it, she said it was really weird because most of the time a movie studio won't do that. Most of the time the movie studio will present you things, which they had been doing to her and she had turned them down. She said it was really rare to have a studio say like, this is the movie you are doing. We are calling in our favor. You are doing this movie. So maybe that's what happened, right? Like, why else? Oh, and Rosario Dawson is in this unbreakable movie, or unstoppable movie as well. I mean, all these really good people are in this movie, and you're like, why? Why are you in this? The only thing that makes sense to me is that... Uh, the director is, uh, I've directed, I believe, Man on Fire, which is another Denzel movie. And the director probably really got excited about this or really wanted to do it. And he was like, Denzel, buddy, let's work together again. And Denzel's like, ha ha, yes. That's my Denzel impression. Uh, and, um, and, and then once Denzel is on, it's like, hey, Chris Prine, do you want to work with Denzel? And he's like, yeah. He's like, do you want to see the script? He's like, don't need to, Denzel. And he's like, okay, great, let's go. Or maybe it was the other way around. Hey, um, I'm Chris Pine. I would like to see the script. Oh, but Denzel, yes, but script. Ah, uh, who cares? Uh, we'll get it to you maybe later. I don't know. Oh, we're shooting tomorrow. Let's go. Here you go, script. Read it now. All right. So the other thing that I love about, oh, wait, there's two other things I love about this movie. So uh, the other thing is, they try to infuse this backstory, which nobody cares about, um, where Denzel has two daughters in their 20s, and they he forgets one of their birthdays, and he calls them and tries to be like, hey, I'm calling you now, even though your birthday was two days ago or whatever, I'm calling. And they're all mad at him. But the two daughters work at Hooters, both of them. Oh, yeah, let's punch that. Oh, yeah. Uh, both of them. Both of them work at Hooters. Now, ba this is based on a true story. What if, in reality, he really does have two daughters? Are they going to be like, wait, we never worked at Hooters. We were 15 at the time. What, what, we didn't, what, no, no, I don't want people thinking I was a Hooters girl. So that's that. The other thing about this movie that's really bonkers is, for whatever reason, the director believes that we can't just, because most of the movie is Chris Pine and Denzel in a train going backwards, right? And, and for some reason, we can't just have Chris Pine and Denzel talk to each other and shoot it just like you would any other movie. You put a, a camera on a tripod, you point it at beautiful Chris Pine's face, and you're like, hey, pretty boy, talk. I know you can talk. 
You're all pretty and Kirkian and just talk. And then and then he talks and then you're like, great, cut. All right, let's turn the camera. Let's point it the other way. Let's point it the other pretty man, Denzel. And I know you can talk because you've been doing that for 50 fucking years in show business. So you talk now, right? No, we can't do that. We can't have two good actors who are also pretty talk because good knows nobody would want to watch that. Two pretty people talking on a movie. So instead, what they do is they had some sort of crazy camera rig where the camera is constantly rotating around the cab in which these two men are on the train. And it gets to the point where you get motion sick because this camera has to constantly be moving. It's like if they made an MTV, MTV music video. Boy, that's harder than I thought it would be. Uh, you know, but it's two hours long, right? It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a music video about trains that's two hours long with camera sweeps every three seconds. <sighs> anyway, don't watch that movie. It's very bad. I'm a zealot and a hypocrite Just like I've been told to be So let's talk about the pandemic. Um, so I have to say, when this whole thing started, I was very cavalier about the pandemic. I... I didn't think it was going to be a big deal. I thought it was mostly in China. And boy, was I wrong. <laughs> wow, yeah. And um, we got the call on a Friday that it's like, it was, you know, middle of March, March 14, 15, something like that. And they just said, everybody go home. Don't, don't show up, to, grab whatever you need to, go work from home. And in the middle of that, uh, lovely wife Miriam calls me and she says, hey, um, I'm hearing reports that food is going to be scarce. We should stock up. And I'm like, oh, okay. So there was a, a grocery store a couple of blocks down from where I was working and so I said, okay, great. And I'll go there and no grocery carts in the parking lot at all. I just got lucky. Somebody was returning a grocery cart and I picked it up and went into the store and the lines were the entire length of the store plus a little bit more, you know, starting to curve in the frozen, you know, in the meat aisle, in the dairy aisle, you know, at the very back of the wall, they'd curve a little bit because they would get even longer. A lot of the food gone from the shelves. But what was really interesting was not all the food. Some of the food was still there, like, you know, vegan sausages still there. <laughs> you know, it's like, Hey man, we gotta grab all this food. We gotta eat. We got. Well, I'm not eating that. Oh hell no! I'm not. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> it's funny. Like, is that what the end of the world is going to look like? Are people just gonna die out because they're like, 
I will, you know, I've got to provide for my family, but not that, not, not, not that much. And then, so it started. Um, I will say that our house has been slowly breaking down because we are just using it so much more. Uh, you know, we, we, I used to do, eat a lot of my meals at work and our dishwasher took a bit of a beating because now I was eating, all of us were eating all of our meals at home. And so that went and our washer dryer went and hopefully, <laughs> hopefully our heater that's the that's our one big concern hopefully the heater will stay going i mean it's almost summer now so maybe we'll use it less but hell man i would actually prefer it to break down in the summertime than in the dead of winter and i get it i live in california i'm not in new mexico or new york or other colder places, but still, I I I, <laughs> I don't want it to break down and have to buy a gaggle of space heaters and just huddle up. I mean, we're already huddling up as it is, and I just don't want to isolate each other even more by going to our respective rooms and shutting the door and turning on the space heaters on full blast. So, it's very interesting in terms of now that we've been doing this a year, what, I, I, I will have to say my life is very different. I mean, I, I don't really have a lot of friends at work. I never did. Um, in the middle, or a couple of weeks ago, I had a friend of work quit. So now I have one less friend at work. So I have really just sort of one friend at work and she's got her own crew. And so that would mean, and, it, and she's in engineering and I'm not. Um, and so if I was going to have lunch with her, I would have to explicitly say, like, hey, let me know when you're going to have lunch, you know, uh, which is not, not impossible, but it's, it's, it's weird because I don't know. I, I don't know what the rest of those people think of me, the rest of her crew, um, you know, uh, as Miriam is fond of saying, I am an acquired taste and she is correct. Um, I can be a bit much and a bit loud and a bit just something other than maybe what you're expecting or wanting during your lunch. And so as much as I have hated, I shouldn't say hated, I've 
had to deal with all the stuff of working from home, trying to set up a place to work and dealing with the cats. And we lost our dog uh, during the pandemic. And I feel conflicted about that because I never wanted a dog. And this was the wife's idea. And I feel a little guilty for feeling relieved now that I don't have to walk the dog anymore or feed her her medication or deal with her rampant, ever escalating anxiety. So I, I, it is weird, but I am preferring to work at home, I think. Even though I had a beautiful window seat at work where I could watch the planes take off. And it wasn't even a long commute. It was 20 minutes each way, which, you know, in the Bay Area is uh, a luxury for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going to become of me once that office opens up again. I'll go in at least one day a week, I'm sure. But I'm definitely going to coordinate with Jessica and say, well, when are you going to be there? And on those days, could we try? Could could you just tell me when you're going to go down and eat lunch? Uh, I'm flexible. Um, but, you know, as as much as I resisted it and much as I downplayed the pandemic, um, I would say that that I have adapted and I'm not a hundred percent sure that it's, you know, look, I, 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 nobody in my family died. Nobody in my family even got sick. Uh, none of my friends got sick. We had a friend of Miriam's, her parent, one her mom died of COVID. Uh, she was on the very first cruise and she got off the cruise and they thought she was safe. And then she wasn't. But for me, I, I've been largely untouched by the ravages of it. And I do f sort of feel like, for the most part, I've, I've, other than the appliances breaking down, it's, it's been largely positive. You know, uh, we've all been able to adapt and and the girl is back at school and, you know, I can sleep, I can nap in the middle of the day whenever I want. And there's nobody up my ass wondering where I am and why I'm not at my desk. <sighs> yeah, so between, between the pandemic and the dog and, you know, I do sort of feel conflicted about the whole thing. But... I guess the good news to it all is it it there are bright spots to the ravages of this. Oh, and there's <laughs> there's one of the cats. The cats who are have figured out how to open doors. Uh which We've had lots of cats. None of them have been able to open doors. And I, I guess they learned this at their shelter. So they are crafty.
All right. Well, from me, from the music of Bright Brown, stay safe. Wear your masks. I'm going to wear my masks even when the pandemic's over. I don't care. I like it. And let's do this many, many more times. Till then! Yeah.